cafeteria, you know. And uh, so this is awesome. And don't worry if you're like, I was going to invite a friend next week, but it looks kind of packed in here. We got lots more chairs in the back to set up. So invite a friend next week. Bring them along with you. Thank you guys for for being here. How many uh, how many freshmen do we have in the house? Don't be shy. All right. Very good. What about what about uh, not like people aren't who aren't going to UAA? Anybody not going to UAA? Loud and proud, right there. Good, good. Uh, we want you to know that if you're not a student here, that that's okay. That uh, I know we meet on campus and we talk about UAA a lot, but we're thankful that you're here. Uh, any seniors in the house? Any seniors in the house? Good. Okay, now leave those hands up. Put them up high, seniors. All right. Now, how many of you would admit that senioritis is already setting in? All right. Don't lie to me. Don't put that hand down. It set in like a year and a half ago, all right? I know it. I know it. Isn't it funny? You know, I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking about the differences in perspective of week one between a college freshman and a college senior. How many people know what I'm talking about, right? Like, a freshman is, like, gung-ho, ready to go, like, is taking notes as to everything that the professor says and, and like, you know, like, underlining things in the syllabus, and the senior is like half awake, chewing gum, sitting in their sweatpants, be like, so do you think I'm going to need that book for like the first two months or uh, I'll just like get it later? Is that cool? Right? And a freshman's like carrying around their stack of books like this, right? You know, it's funny how, how differently we can approach things and how different our approaches to things can change an outcome or change our perspective about what's going on, Right? I mean, think about it. When we, uh, if you're going to about to take a test that you're like really worried about, if your perspective is that the test is going to be really, really hard, your approach to that test is probably going to be that you're going to study, right? If your perspective, guys, if you're going to ask a girl out on a date that you really, really, really like, right? If that's your perspective of that young lady, you're probably going to get really no nervous and like totally blow it, right? You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and yeah, and, and, you know, the other thing is that, like, girls, if you're about to go on a date with a guy and you, you, like, it, you, like, you know, decided to go on that date with somebody and, uh, and you don't really know why you said yes, you know, he just, he was so nervous and he looked so cute. I just didn't have the heart to tell him no. You know what I'm saying? Most of you have been there, all right? And it hurts. It hurts. But anyway, so, so what do you do, right? Like, you try to... If your perspective is that you don't really, you're not really interested in this guy, you probably show up to the first date wearing sweatpants and like a hoodie with maybe like a nacho stain on it or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Because you're probably, you know, if your perspective is that you're not interested, then your approach to that date is obviously going to be different, right? Versus if you really like the guy, you'd probably spend a couple hours getting ready and whatever. And some of you guys are like Steve just last week. I had a date with a girl, and she had a nacho stain on her hoodie. Man, that me and now she won't return my calls, and I know why, all right? You know why now, all right? She's not interested. Just, just let it go, man. Let it go. But anyways, I think it's important to understand that our approach to things can change based off of our perspective. I found this online. I wanted to show you guys because I thought this was cool. You maybe have seen this. Uh, this is a, a chalk, a sidewalk chalk artist, all right? That doesn't look like a whole lot of anything on this, like, long street. But if you approach 
this piece of art from the right perspective, an interesting thing happens. You can show that next picture. Check out what this thing looks like. Isn't that cool? You have to be standing in the exact right spot in order to experience this. But when you approach it the right way, an interesting thing happens if you approach it with the right perspective. I think we have one more of these things. Okay, that doesn't really look like a whole lot from the side. But when you look at it from the right perspective, check that out. Isn't that weird? That is really, really awesome. So, I don't know what got said, but that's, <laughs> okay, so, uh, <laughs> I wanted to be like everybody else. Uh, so anyways, so what's interesting is that I believe that our spiritual lives are a lot like this exact principle. That when we approach someone like, let's just say, the God of the universe, our perspective of who God is and his character is vitally important and it's going to determine how we end up approaching him, right? How we approach God is determined by our perspective of who he is, who he says he is, and who, his who we believe his character is and who we believe him to be. And after all my years of working with college students and doing Chi Alpha, I have come to understand that there are a lot of different perspectives when it comes to God. How many people know that that's true, right? But when we think about God, I don't know where you're at tonight, but I guarantee that if we went around the room, there'd be a lot of different answers based off of what you think about when you think about God. Or when I, if I asked you, what is the character of God, I guarantee we'd get a lot of different answers in this place. But here's the deal, is that it is so vitally important that we understand the true nature of God and the true, the true character of God because it's going to change the way we approach him and see him. Amen? You see, sometimes in life I've realized that I've met people that their perspective of God is that God is just kind of like a traditional thing. That like my grandma did or my grandpa did or that my mom and dad kind of followed, but it's not really for me. Other people have the perspective that, that God is like some, some folklore or legend or, or maybe that, that's, that the story, the Bible contains some really great stories, but that's really all they are. Or maybe you have the perspective that, that Jesus was a man and that he, that he did exist, but that he was just kind of this, this really cool guy that had some, some good teaching, right? Maybe you're here tonight and you think that God is a very angry God, that, that he is mad at you, that he doesn't like who you are, and that, that, that if you do anything wrong or if you step outside of his will or purpose for your life, that somehow he's going to like strike you with a bolt of lightning or something. You might be here and you think that, yeah, that I believe there is a God, but there's no way that that God of the universe could care about this small little group of atoms here on this little rock in this giant universe. That if God does exist, there's absolutely no way that he would care about me or about the details of my life. Well, tonight, I want us to come into this place, and my prayer for all of you is that no matter where you're at, that you would open your heart and you would open your mind just wide enough and for just long enough tonight to maybe catch a glimpse of God's character and a perspective of God's character that you may or may not be aware of tonight. Is that all right? Because I believe that if you see God for his true nature and his true character, something radical is going to happen in your life. Something incredible is going to happen in your life. And if there are some misunderstandings in here, I believe that God wants to show you 
what he actually is. And I'm not going to give you my perspective. I'm not going to give you some other dude's perspective. We're going to go to the biblical, the Bible perspective of who God is, right? So that's what we're going to look at tonight. The good news I have for you is that throughout history, this is not a generational problem, right? Throughout history, every single generation has struggled a little bit with understanding the true nature of God's character, who he is. And in biblical times, okay, so 2,000 years ago, uh, we got this book called the Bible. And in the Old Testament, the, the Bible is split into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, okay? The Old Testament was everything before Jesus. The New Testament was everything after Jesus was on earth. And between those two pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament are 400 years of history. It's a long time, right? And in those 400 years, some misconceptions of God's character were developed. And people started to misunderstand because of a lot of different things and a lot of different situations going on at the time. People started to misunderstand who God was. And Jesus broke onto the scene. Jesus, the Son of God, both God and man at the same time, bro broke onto the scene and said, you know what, there are some misconceptions about my character that people need to understand. And he started blowing the world's mind, which is pretty fun. So we're going to look at three people. We're going to look at three ladies tonight in the Word of God that had a misunderstanding of God's character, had an encounter with Jesus, their perceptions changed, and I believe their life was changed forever, okay? So we're going to meet three ladies tonight in God's Word, and the first person that we're going to meet is the woman at the well. And we're in John chapter 4. And the woman at the well, I believe, has something to teach us about God's character. Each one of these women, I believe, has, has each of them has one thing to teach us about God's character. And the woman at the well, I believe, can teach us that God is a God of rule. Or God is not a God of rules, but he is a God of relationship. God is not a God of rules. He is a God of relationship. So to give you this story and why this woman can teach us this is because Jesus was walking along one day and he came across a well and he was thirsty so he was going to stop for a drink, right? And Jesus sat down at the well and this woman walks up to the well to fetch some water from the well. And he turns to the woman and, he, and when it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you please give, will you give me a drink? He was thirsty. He wanted a drink, and she was fetching water. So he said, hey, would you, would you give me a drink, please? And this blew the woman away. And this is what she says. She says, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Now, to understand this story, you need to understand the culture of the time. Jesus goes against the cultural norm, the cultural rules of the day. You see, Samaritans in Jesus' time were a group of people that Jews, the, the, the group of people that Jesus was with, that Jesus was, the Jews were incredibly racist against the Samaritans. They did not like to talk to them. They did not like to associate with them. They didn't even like to walk on the same side of the street as Samaritans. So if you're not going to walk on the same side of the street as somebody, you sure, you sure are not going to talk to them. And so this, not just this Jew, but this Jewish man, right, that's another cultural kind of 
uh, faux pas at Jesus' time, that, that a lot of times that a, a man who is in a position of leadership would not be speaking to a woman. And this person was, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a Jewish teacher. So this Jewish teacher stops to talk to a Samaritan woman. And she says, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you talking to me? This is not right. You are breaking all of the rules, Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say this. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would not, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. In other words, he says, hey, listen, young lady, I have something so much better for you than you could ever imagine. I'm the son of God. I'm this, I am, I am, I'm the savior of the world and I have something to offer you that I really, really, really want you to have. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to have a friendship with me. And I desire it so much that I'm willing to go against the cultural rules and the cultural norms of the day. And so they go on to start talking and they start to have this conversation. And Jesus asks her, he says, hey, why don't you go get your husband and come back? And she goes, oh, I I, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus does something interesting. Jesus, because he is God and because he knows this woman inside and out, right? He knows this woman, who she is. He says, I know that you don't have, the the person that you're with is not your husband. In fact, you have had five husbands. And the person you are with, you are not currently married to. And she gets blown away by the fact that this Jewish leader knows everything that she'd ever done in her life. Now, listen to this. That's a pretty colorful past, right? Five husbands. And the person that you're with right now isn't your husband. That's a pretty colorful past. And what Jesus communicates her to in that moment is that, hey, I know your colorful past. And guess what? I don't care. I'm still talking to you. Because I love you so much and I desire a relationship with you so badly that I'm willing to look past all of that to make sure that you have the opportunity to know who I am. My friends, Jesus is asking and begging and pleading with you to understand the same thing tonight. That he wants to look past all the rules and all the regulations and all of those things, and he has come into this place tonight to ask you, to beg you, to say, hey, I have a relationship waiting for you that is so much better than anything that you could ever get from this world, and I want you to experience it. Isn't that good news? So if you're here tonight and you think that Christianity or following God has a pre-qualification, it doesn't. There's no prep work. There's no basic knowledge needed. If you've been listening to the lie that Christianity is a set of rules, if it, if it means behavior modification, if it be- means having no fun, you have been sorely mistaken. Jesus says, no, 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 the best thing that I have to offer you is a relationship. And as we walk through life together, we're going to figure some things out together. I will never forget, I was, uh, I grew up in a, in a home that taught me some things about God and, and uh, would take me to like vacation Bible schools and things like that, but I never really understood anything about what I just talked about, that Jesus actually wanted an authentic relationship with me. He wanted a friendship. And so this one day, this, I was, I was in seventh grade and one of my friends invited me with him to go to this youth group thing. And it was at this person's house, and they played some games, and then, met a, then they met up, and, and, you know, they said, then we talk about the Bible a little bit. I said, okay, I, I can do that. I think you're pretty cool. I'll come with you. So I came with him, 
And that night, my life changed forever. And it wasn't anything significant or huge, but we got we gathered up and we sat in this circle and we said they said, okay, we're going to pray. And my seventh grade friend started praying as if Jesus was in the room right next to him. And I looked at him and I was like, you can do that. You do realize that's Jesus that you're talking to, right? Like he's God. Like you can't just like uh, you can't just like wander in here and be like, yo, Jesus, hey, how you doing, man? Can you help me with my basketball game this weekend? Like he doesn't care about your basketball game, man. And he's like, no, listen, he does care about my basketball game, and I do talk to him as my friend because he is my friend, and I get to converse with him this way every single day about every single thing that's going on in my life. You see, I didn't think I was worthy of a friendship with Jesus. Why would the God of the universe want to talk to Steve? That doesn't make sense. And yet he does, and it's so beautiful, and it's awesome. This woman had a misunderstanding of who God was, thought that it was all about rules and not about relationship. My friends, it is all about relationship. That's why Jesus came. Okay, so the second woman, let's, let's take a look at her encounter with Jesus. The second woman was the woman who was caught in the middle of adultery. And this woman, I believe, can teach us that God is not just a God of judgment, but he is a God of grace. He's a God of grace. So in John chapter 8, we meet this lady. She is on the verge of total condemnation. You see, the law during the time said that someone who had committed adultery was to be uh, was to be stoned, right? And so they decided that this is what they were going to do. So a giant mob, a giant riot gathered around this lady. They all picked up rocks, and they were ready to chuck them at her and kill her for what she had done. And Jesus comes onto the scene. And they say, hey, Jesus, what do you think we should do? And he just really calmly and correctly kind of takes his time. It actually says in the Bible he starts, like, writing stuff in the dirt. Like, Jesus, you should hurry up. This is kind of an urgent situation, right? Like, something needs to happen. And he stands up, and he looks around, and he says, you who have not sinned, you be the first person to cast a stone at this woman. Now, here's the problem, is everybody's hands were tied here now. And so they're all like, they threw their stones away. And Jesus' disciples were sitting back there, be like, oh, yeah, Jesus, you got him. You got him, man. Oh, you are so wise. I love hanging out with you, right? And all of a sudden, everybody walks away, and I'm just picturing this this moment in my head as, as this woman is crouched down on the ground, Ready to, ready to be hit and mauled by these stones. And, and all of a sudden, the voices and the calamity, all this stuff, the clamor starts to, starts to fade. But she's still too scared to even lift her head when Jesus walks up to her and says these words, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And he says, she says, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declares. Go now and leave your life of sin. You see, Jesus came and he wanted us to understand that God, yes, he is holy and yes, he is righteous. 
and yes, he is worthy of our praise, and, and yes, he is, he is full of justice and glory, but he is also a God of grace, he is a God of peace, and he is a God of mercy, and he is a God of forgiveness. And if you don't understand that about him, you will never approach him in the way that, you, that he has desired for you to approach him. If you're here tonight and you've been listening to some sort of lie, I want you to know that Jesus did not come to earth to die for your sins because he was angry at you for sinning. He came to this earth to die for your sins because he loved you so much that he wanted to give you something better and he could not bear the thought of spending eternity without you. And so many times we get this all wrong. And Jesus wants you to understand that his grace is sufficient for you. So if you've been thinking that, man, God is so, God's just angry at me, he'll always be angry at me, I want to combat that lie right now and tell you that he loves you and that he is gracious and he's waiting for you with open arms. If you're here tonight and you're listening to the lie that, oh, God would never want me now. I have done way too much bad stuff. I'm way too dirty. I'm way too nasty. I'm way too hurt. I'm way too broken. There's been way too much stuff done to me. You don't know what's happened in my family. You don't know what's happened in my relationships. You don't know how it's happened in my friendships. Steve, I, I, there's no way that God would ever want me back. Let's learn something from this woman in this story. That even if you feel like you are on the verge of total and complete condemnation, Jesus wants to whisper in your ear and say, neither do I condemn you. I forgive you. I forgive you. For some of you, that is good news. For some of you, that speaks to your heart. For some of you in here, you've been listening to the lie that, man, Every single time I, I feel like I'm finally getting it, I feel like I'm finally getting back to Jesus, I screw up. And no matter how hard I try, I just feel like I keep falling again. Jesus wants you to know tonight that it's not about your performance. It's about whether or not you can come to him every single day and admit that you are in need of a Savior. And I have a friend, his, his name is Brody. And uh, Brody and I ran uh, cross-country together in high school. Yes, I was a cross-country runner, contrary to popular belief. A lot of times people say, Steve, I peg you as a lineman. But, uh, but I was a cross-country runner. Uh, and uh, I know, I was like, you don't have a runner's build, Steve. Gee whiz. All right, so, uh, uh, <laughs> but anyways, so we ran cross-country together. And, and Brody was, was always uh, – Brody was always faster than me, and, and he was a really good friend, and we, we challenged each other a lot. And, and Brody didn't know Jesus in high school. He didn't really know who God was really at all. Grew up in a in a really broken home, broken family, had a pretty colorful past. And and uh, and little by little, the more I hung, got to hang out with Brody, the more I kind of saw that, you know, he started to kind of get curious about this whole God thing. And then Brody went to college. And uh, Brody was a freshman in college, and uh, and started kind of getting involved in in quite a bit of alcohol and and uh, after the summer after his freshman year of college, Brody got in a really big fight with his dad one night when there was alcohol involved, and that night the fight escalated and it got out of control and Brody ended up killing his dad. Brody obviously got in trouble. He got he got arrested. He went to 
to jail. He got tried. He was accused. He got tried. He was found guilty of murder. And Jody, Brody ended up going to prison. But you see, Brody committed what arguably is one of the most heinous acts of crime that we can really imagine, right? Murder. And when he was sitting in jail waiting to find out what his, what his uh, sentence would be, he was visited by this guy by the name of Al Moloskin, Pastor Al. He came in and Pastor Al told Brody about Jesus and how Jesus had forgiveness of his sins and that, that yes, Jesus wasn't happy about what happened, but Jesus wanted to extend forgiveness and, and give Brody a new identity, give him a fresh start. And that night, across a window of glass, through a telephone, Brody accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And that night, he started a new identity in Jesus Christ. Brody is in a state penitentiary today, but Brody is now a board member of his prison church. And Brody has felt called to go into ministry. And when his 30 years are up, he believes and he knows that God has called him to be a prison minister to those who are in similar situations as him. And about once every third week, Brody will give me a call, and we'll talk about what God is teaching him in the Word and, and what's happening in the church and how God is changing lives in their prison ministry. My friend, you have not fallen too far for Jesus to say, I have got grace for you. That grace is sufficient for you tonight. I don't care how nasty and dirty you feel. I don't care how distant you feel from God. He is standing here tonight with open arms asking for you to come back into relationship with him and receive the grace that he has made available to you. All right, the third woman. The third woman was the woman with the issue of bleeding. So this woman had this, this medical issue, and the Bible says in Luke 8 that she had seen every single medical doctor that she could possibly think of. In fact, the Bible says that she had spent all of her money that she had ever had. She had, was completely out of money, and she'd seen all these doctors, and instead of her condition growing better, it grew worse. And she decides, she hears about this guy named Jesus, and one day Jesus is walking uh, through through this crowd of people, right? And Jesus has, like, performed lots of miracles at this point. And so they're, like, really excited. People are, like, really excited to get around Jesus, right? Like, there's, like, this, this mosh pit surrounding Jesus, following him everywhere. And the Bible says there's a large crowd pressing around him. And then this woman pushes through the crowd. And when she pushes through the crowd, she starts to think to herself, in Luke chapter 8, that if I, touch, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. You see, this woman must have seen a miracle happen before, must have heard about a miracle happening before, that God was a God of miracles, that this guy had power. And so she just said, man, if I could just reach out and just touch his cloak, that's all I need to do, and I'm going to get healed, and I'll be on my merry way, and everything's going to be good. So she starts forcing her way through the crowd, and she reaches out, and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and the Bible says that she was immediately healed. Pretty cool, right? But the story doesn't end there. That's pretty awesome. 
In fact, that would be a really good story if it ended there, but it actually gets better. Jesus stops what he's doing and says, well, who touched me? And his disciples are like, yo, Jesus, listen, you picked a bad time to get uncomfortable with your personal space, all right? Because there are a lot of people, and they're all pressing around you and elbowing you and shouldering you. And, like, I've never known you to be a germaphobe before, and you are like, you, Jesus, what are you talking about? He says, no, 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 no. I felt power come out of me. Who was it that touched me? Jesus knew who touched him, right? But he wanted to meet this lady. And so this lady, now we're going to pick up here in, in verse uh, 47. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed. Everyone say unnoticed. The woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Go in peace. You see, this woman, I believe, teaches us that God is not a God of distance, but that he is a God of details. See, this woman understood and believed in the power of God. But she didn't think that she was worthy to approach Jesus and have a conversation with him. She knew that Jesus was powerful, but she was like, well, there's no way he would ever actually want to have a conversation with me. There's no way that he would actually want to know what was going on in my life. I'm just going to, like, kind of reach out and touch him and then just kind of run away. And Jesus does something so interesting. Again, he's Jesus. He's God. He knows who touched him. He knew it was that woman. He knew exactly what had been healed. But he stops what he's doing and says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Who touched me? And I think Jesus is trying to show us in this passage that, that yes, he knows what's going on, but he wanted to make sure that that woman knew that he knew what was going on. You see the difference in that? You see, some of you in here have approached God your entire lives as this kind of distant being in the universe that's there and you know that he's powerful. There has to be some sort of meaning behind life, right? How did we all just show up here one day? So there's got to be a God out there, but if there was a God out there, there's no way he would ever want to encounter and have an encounter with me. There's, never, there's no way that he would ever want to be concerned about who I am as a person. I got news for you tonight, and it's really good news, is that he is concerned about you. In fact, he knit you together in your mother's womb, and he knows exactly who you are. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he wants to be involved in the minute details of your life. Why? Not because he's a controlling God, but because he is a caring God. And I think that's awesome. So if you're here tonight and you say that, well, there's no way that God would want anything to do with me. There's, there's, there's a God out there, but he's distant. I want you to know that there's a God who's concerned about the details of your life. And if you're that person who says, you know, I, I've prayed before. Every once in a while I pray, and, and I don't know if God hears me or not. He does hear you. He hears every single one of your prayers. And when he hears them, those prayers go directly into his throne room of grace. And it says that through Jesus Christ, we can approach God's throne room with confidence. Knowing that he is concerned about the things that we are bringing to him. And the worship team can come back up as we come to a close. You know, uh, 
this point really changed my life when I was a freshman in college. I'll never forget, so you guys heard my story in seventh grade, how I started to realize that Jesus wanted to have a personal relationship with me, and so I started to pray to him about some of the finer, you know, things in my life, the details of my life. I started to develop this personal relationship with him, but I didn't understand what it meant to actually walk with Jesus. And I got to college, and I got, went to this thing, like the third week of school, called Chi Alpha. And I sat in the back row, on the, I still remember, I can take you back to the seat, the back row, left side of this auditorium where we met for Chi Alpha. And I looked around, and it was during worship time, and I remember thinking, man, these people are pretty passionate about what they believe in. Like, holy cow. Everybody's raising their hands and singing really loud. This is different. I'd never been part of a worship service like that before. And there's like people that were like singing stuff that like the words were on the screen. And there's some people by me that were like singing words that weren't on the screen. And we're like, dude, stick to the script, man. (laughs) You can't get in trouble. But there was something so authentic and genuine about these people's relationships with God. And you see, what, these, what I started to understand was that, that God was not just this person that they hung out with once a week on Sunday mornings. He wasn't just this person that they hung out with once a week on Thursday nights at Chi Alpha. But God was someone who was intimately involved in every single detail of their life. And these were some of the most alive most loving, most genuine, most excited, most joy-filled people that I had ever met. And I said, you know what? This is crazy. I didn't know that you could actually live this way as a Christian. And I started to get curious. And before I knew it, I started inviting Jesus into every single corner, nook and cranny of my life. I started talking about the good, the bad, the ugly that was going on in my life. And I started bringing him into spaces that I would never have brought him into before because there was so much pain and so much hurt in this area. Jesus, I don't want to bring this area up because there's too much pain, there's too much hurt over here. I'm just going to leave this pressed down, but you can have this area over here. And Jesus started to bless this and started to, I started bringing Jesus into this. And pretty soon his grace started to reign over this place in my life. And pretty soon that started to receive healing. And I started to understand what an actual authentic relationship with Jesus meant. It wasn't just about having this friend in my back pocket that was like, you know what, I can pull this friendship out every once in a while and and use it for a good prayer request. But it was someone that I could walk through every single thing in life with. See, my friends, Jesus wants you to know that he is not a God of rules that he is a God of relationship. He is not a God who just looks to judge us, but he's a God of grace. He's not a God of distance, but he's a God of details. So my question for you tonight is where are you at? Which one of these things applies to you? Or maybe all three of them do. I don't know where you're at, but if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to give us a chance to respond. You see, that, that day when these three women had encounters with Jesus, their perspectives changed. Their perspectives of who God was changed. And when they changed, they made a choice or they were asked to make a choice. The woman at the well made a choice that Jesus was the Son of God and went and told all her friends about Jesus. The woman who 
was caught in adultery was asked to make a choice to leave her life of sin. The woman with, with the issue of bleeding was asked to come back to talk to Jesus, and she walked away healed forever. And so tonight I'm asking you to make a choice to choose relationship, to choose God's grace, and to choose to invite Jesus into the details of your life. So if you're here tonight and you have not had a personal relationship with Jesus, that he is not the Lord and the Savior of your life, but tonight you would like to make that decision to accept him as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've made that decision in the past and you've allowed that to grow cold and stagnant, he wants you back. And so tonight, if you want to make that decision to accept him as your Lord and Savior, just raise a hand in this place. Is that for anybody? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who that's for. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Is there anybody else? All right, if you raise your hand to that question, I'm going to ask that you would pray this prayer in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that my sin has separated me from you. But tonight, I am asking for the forgiveness of that sin that you made available to me through dying for me on the cross. And I'm asking for strength to turn away from my old life and identity and live for you for the rest of my life. My second question is this. If you're here tonight and you realize that there's been a misunderstanding of God's character in your life and it has inhibited you from approaching God. And you need to make a correction in that. You're going to make a choice to say, God, I'm going to start looking at you this way now. Just raise a hand in this place. Is that for anybody saying, God, I'm making that choice tonight. I'm going to make a change to walk away from my old life to start realizing that you are who you say you are. Yeah. So let's pray for that. And then after we pray, we're just going to take a moment to respond to this. If you need prayer for any single area of your life, there's a, uh, in the back corner by the clock, uh, we have a prayer team that's going to be ready to pray for you. We'd love to pray with you uh, before you go. And so please come back there and receive some prayer as we close in, uh, in a song of worship. And then we'll be back together to close, close in prayer. But let's pray for that right now. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come and hear about your character and to receive new perspective of who you are. God, I pray that all of us would have a unique understanding of the sense of your and sense of your character, that it would be absolutely 100% clear based off of who you are and who your word says you are. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord and just spend time dwelling on his character. And if you need prayer for anything, please come back and receive prayer tonight.